1: wrestling geeks alliance we have another episode a second season first episode episode actually uh because this is now starting a new year Uh, i'm saying fuck it we're starting at season two Uh, we'll tally up season one eventually but uh right now season two episode one uh and me and chris decided to you know have a fun uh evening where we talk about our favorite stuff from last year you know whether it be a favorite wrestler feud we'll go over the whole entire list uh, so this is going to be a fun discussion episode, uh, and then we're going to go over a little bit of the list that we've been working on. Uh, but before we do that, let me introduce you to, uh, to Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. Chris, how's it going? Sorry for screaming at you. I just drank a Red Bull.
2: <laughs> it's going great, man. How's everything with you? Oh, I'm
1: happy as a clam. Had a really, really good, long, fun Christmas break, and, uh, you know, relaxed. Uh, ready to have a fun show. I, I, I missed talking about wrestling. Um, maybe did did you did you as well?
2: I did. I have missed it, man. We were we've been off two weeks because of the holidays. So sorry for anyone that missed us. But uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's been too long until we got into this wrestling business. Started talking about it.
1: I, I mean, we have plenty to talk about. And then next week we'll definitely be talking about Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, we will be going over some World uh, Rumble predictions and get back on track. We thought, like I said, this episode we'd spend more time just breaking down some individual topics and having a conversation over, you know, our favorite things from last year. So let's start this thing off. Um, I don't have a really cool uh, name for this. Uh, so it's just going to be, you know, 2017 was cool with wrestling, and here's why. That was a horrible name. Um, <laughs> so if you also want to throw in some comments, uh your own opinion or anything like that, this is a good episode of Collins ninety nine four seven seven three seven eight one. Uh you'll be on hold, press one and uh you'll join the conversation with me and Chris. All right, so let's go over our top five matches of two thousand seventeen, Chris. I'm gonna let you go first.
2: Okay, well right off the bat, my number one match with a bullet was Omega versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom eleven. Um Incredible match, the launch of the trilogy of matches that they had. I wanted to just pick one of these matches to put on my list, but they very easily, all three, could have made my list. Um, Fucking phenomenal match. You get the Crazy Dragon Suplex spot. You get Omega selling and getting out of the Rainmaker so many times for the first time. Um, And Okada actually looking like he might get defeated. It, It was just so great. Everything leading up to it in the match itself and the popularity around the match, it's undeniably to me was the number one match in 2017. Um, My second favorite match of the year uh, surprise, surprise, was uh, NATO versus Omega at G1 Climax. It was the final uh, number one, basically a number one contenders match for whoever won G1 and it was a fucking incredible match. Um, And once again, a lot of it was the lead up to it with NATO uh, losing the IWGP junior title um, and then entering this tournament and eventually winning the tournament to get his just due setting up for his match against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, which happened last night. So um, Moving over to NXT, I had Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate at NXT TakeOver Chicago. I've gushed over this match a ton on this podcast. Uh, I thought, to me, it was the best WWE match of the year. I don't think anything really came close to it. Uh, it it was worked very much like a, a Japanese-style match, and that's probably why it stood out so much to me. Um, just Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, they're, they're fucking incredible. Hopefully they do a lot with them in the future uh, be, because they just amazed me in this match, and it was great. And it's the best NXT match I had seen since... Uh, probably Nakamura and Sami Zayn on Sami Zayn's, uh, basically is an XT retirement match. Um, From there, I got Okada versus Shibata at Sakura Genesis 2017. Um, Unfortunately, this match did end Shibata's wrestling career, but it was one hell of a match. And if you take away one spot from that match, probably one of the best New Japan matches of the year. Definitely better than a lot of WWE stuff. It's unfortunate what happened to Shibata, but I think... Despite of that, it deserved to make the list, so it's definitely here. And then my number five, um, John Cena and AJ Styles, they had a bunch of good matches leading up to this, but their match at the Royal Rumble, I thought, was the best of, of their matches. I think John Cena was great in the match. I also think AJ Styles was great in the match. There was other good WWE matches that probably could have fit in here, but to me this was WWE, as far as the main rosters goes, best match Best, like most well-wrestled match, biggest hype around it. Um, so that, that's my top five. I get Omega versus Okada, NATO versus Omega, Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, Okada versus Shibata, and John Cena versus AJ Styles. And that's from top to bottom.
1: All right. Well, uh, I have a lot of similar uh, people on my list, actually. Uh, a couple differences and maybe the order. Uh, but my first one. Weird, Okada versus Omega. I mean, uh, Wrestle Kingdom is what introduced me. I mean, I was already kind of getting back in tune with WWE at that point. Um, Still had not really learned that much about Lucha Underground or Progress or everything I've been exposed to now uh, looking back on it. But Wrestle Kingdom was my first look at uh, Japanese wrestling, uh, modern Japanese wrestling. And and just seeing these – Okada and Omega – just performed ridiculous and it made me want to go back and watch matches that people said were as good or, you know, and, and it just started opening my eyes to specific the, the reason why I love wrestling the most is actually the athleticism. I, I a lot of the other stuff is, is is fun and it really carries and makes it feel real, but to be honest with you, we all know what it is. And when you get two guys that can tell a story in a ring like that. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. All three of their matches. If you, if you got some time on you and you'll need about two and a half hours, watch all three matches of theirs back to back to back. It's incredible. Um, I love that. They're still tied technically, uh, you know, because of the stipulation of the second one with uh, them going all the way. Uh, So, you know, maybe we'll get that rematch in the future. It seems like both of those guys have a lot going on for them. But we'll see. But uh, my second one is actually uh, John Cena versus AJ Styles. I love that match. Another fun match. Yeah, there was some, uh, you know, I'm sure playful stuff from Okada through Twitter and a lot of other stuff said, because it was one of the matches that came out directly after that, and of course, there was comparisons. Uh, But you got AJ Styles and John Cena, two of the greatest workers, and... To me, it was a WWF match and it fit and it was a lot of fun and I still enjoy watching it. NATO versus the Mega uh, G1 uh, climax finale uh, was incredible. That was an a amazing match, the way they were able to set it up and everything. Um, four is Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, NXT uh, Takeover Chicago. Once again, I mean, that was an incredible match. I honestly almost put their third one in because I love that. Uh, that match. I thought it was an amazing third match between them. And my number five is actually Usos versus New Day at Hell in the Cell. I thought they did some innovative shit in that match. I thought it was the best out of their series of matches before the, you know, quote, unquote, us-truce. Um And I thought that displayed both tag teams and just doing some stuff that, like, you know, when they had, uh, I think it was Xavier, how they, or maybe it was, uh, no, it was Jay Uso tied up with uh, Kendo Sticks, blocking him using the Cell, uh, just, just awesome match altogether. There were so many good matches though, so many New Japan good matches like like Chris said, and so many good WWE matches too. But uh, another one that, that that honestly sticks out, and I don't think it was the skills as much as the anticipation, is the uh, Aleister Black velveteen Dream match. I really enjoyed that one too. So, uh, and also when, when we're talking about that, that Takeover was uh, War Games, and the War Games match was a lot of fun, but. Uh, That was uh, my top five, and uh, Chris' top five. A lot of similarities. Like I said, a couple differences, but uh, we'll keep on going. Uh, Let's do our male and female superstar of the year, Chris. Uh, I'll I'll go first with this one. Uh, Male superstar of the year, uh, AJ Styles. Uh, It had to be AJ Styles. I mean, he started and ended the year as a champion. I think they're starting to realize that, like, maybe we should just probably, you know, since – Roman's on Raw. Let's 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 see if we can breed life into this guy as much as we can. Uh, close second, I want to say is Braun Strowman, though. Uh, you know, it was definitely his year too. He just did not have a title reign, uh, which probably would have enhanced him and possibly, you know, made him go toe to toe with AJ for for male superstar. But since that didn't happen, uh, I'll give it to AJ New Japan, uh, or outside basically uh, wrestling uh, of WWE, I would pick Kenny Omega personally. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you might pick Okada for this, or you, I think that you did. Um, I love Okada. I think that he's incredible. Uh, I just, Kenny, the overall package has me more intrigued, even though they're two, I think, of the best. Kenny, for me, this whole entire year, I've watched some great matches with him, and, and Okada, for that matter, too, but some great matches with him in it and really enjoyed it. Uh, female superstar of the year, I think this is a no-brainer with WWE. Afka, uh, she had a kick-ass year. Um, she's having some problems, I think, but that's the adjustment that's called Vince McMahon when people go from NXT to Maine, but I think they're figuring it out. Um, and I, I just think that she was incredible. Uh, with uh, non-WWE, uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go for Rosemary. Uh, I don't really have a lot of, you know, I watched uh, Impact for a little while uh, with Rosemary and Sienna having their feud when Rosemary was champion. I, I enjoyed all the matches, and then she got hurt by uh, Sexy Star and was out, and I kind of got out of uh, Impact after a while. So a couple more matches with her in it, and I'm a big fan. Um, Chris can tell you that. Uh, I have a question on you, Rosemary, I have to admit. But uh, hopefully your wrestling <laughs> boyfriend doesn't, does, doesn't, doesn't kill me. For some reason, I think the base uh, the paint's really hot. Anyways, um, I'm a weirdo. But uh, at least I'm honest. But either, anyway, uh, Rosemary would probably be my female superstar of the year. Definitely wasn't going to be sexy star. Chris, uh, give me your male and female superstars of the year for WWE and
2: non-WWE. Non-WWE definitely goes to New Japan. Um, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, I, number one with a bullet. I think he had more top matches. I love Kenny Omega. He's right there on the heels. He's second. And then right underneath that is NATO. It was basically a toss-up, but at the end of the day, is still a champion. I think he means so much to that brand, and he has done such a good job. Um, he also has one of my favorite quotes of all time with him saying uh, when he was talking about little fish in a big pond, he's like, that's what you see, but I see the entire ocean, which I thought was, was really fucking great. Um, the Whoa. News, some, of the people, some of the people saying New Japan, you know, their small time realistically is there was a lot of comments and he came out with that quote and I thought it was fucking great. And anyway, it's just Kazuchika Okada in general had one hell of a year. If you look at Dave Meltzer's 2017 match ratings, he's, I don't think he has below a three star fucking match on it. And that's not something to get excited about, but you could literally watch all of those matches and have a good time watching them. Um, And you can say the same thing about Kenny Omega. He had one hell of a year as well. And and so did Nato. Nato's heel run was fucking phenomenal during the IGWP. Um, Basically, their intercontinental title. I'm probably fucking up the name right now because I never remember all the title names. But, like, his heel run, trying to pay for food with the belt and stuff. There was a lot of people that could have fit in here. But to me, give it to the top dog, Kazuchika Okada. In WWE, I give it to the other top dog, which is AJ Styles. I don't think anyone in the entire WWE can lace his fucking boots. He's just that goddamn good when it comes to stepping between those ropes. There's some great wrestlers in WWE. You have Kevin Owens, you have Sami Zayn, um, you have Finn Balor. Uh, There's just tons of top talent there. But AJ Styles, as he always has done, stands out against the crowd and just had phenomenal matches. Um, He even had a really, really good match with Shane McMahon, and I think he's probably the only wrestler who would pull that off. And he, like you said, he started as a champion and he ended the year as the champion, and I think that's exactly where he should be until he can build someone else up, take his spot, or build up a heel that can have a really good heel run. Um, It's almost impossible to pick against him. My, My only other person I would probably even put close to AJ Styles is Braun Strowman. I thought he had one fucking hell of a year If they were to put the title on Braun and give him a run when he had that Brock Lesnar match, we might be having a different story here. Also, Samoa Joe is probably like third, if I had to pick a third. But um, at the end of the day, top number ones with a bullet, Kazuchika Okada and AJ Styles. Um, Outside of New Japan and WWE, the only person I could really make honorable mention to um, as being an overall superstar who's had amazing fucking matches would probably be John Morrison. I, I think he's been killing it recently. Um, or Johnny Impact, uh, especially with Luciano Gallo stuff he's doing in AAA. So he might have made this list as well. Uh, so I, I, I had I had my hands full because there's a lot of good fucking wrestling out right now. And for female superstar of the year, um, Asuka, hands down. Um, as far as outside WWE, I was a little torn on this because Kerry Hojo got signed to NXT and I guess it was August or September. Uh, she would have been my outside, but my next pick would have been Rosemary as well. I think she's had such a unique character for so long and um, her matches are really, really good, especially when she goes and wrestles in like um, some of the matches she's done in Puerto Rico and stuff. She's had some really, really good matches. Um, and I, I just think her character is really neat as, uh, I'm sure there's some other, you know, the, the other one that was out there for me of outside of WWE, which is probably a little far-fetched with Session, with Session Moth, who is uh, a popular wrestler, but not a huge deal. So I ended up going with Rosemary just because I think she's a more recognizable name, but shout out to uh, Session Moth, I guess. <laughs> So my two are Asuka and Rosemary. They made my uh, top two female superstars of the year. As far as like other females for honorable mention, I think Charlotte Flair is still killing it. Um, especially now they're getting a push behind her after her dad's injury and stuff. She's been really good the last couple of months. Um, and uh, Alexa Bliss put in the position she is on Raw. I think she's kind of held it down, but she also had has had some really bad shit. Um, so it ended up being Asuka and Rosemary as well. So we tied on that one, I guess.
1: <laughs> we, we, we did tie on that one. And um, yeah, I want, I wanted to uh, go back a little bit, but yeah, I mean, if you look at Okada and I mean, Dave Metchler was talking about this, I'm not going to do his uh, impression. Um, probably, probably because I fuck it up most of the damn time. But anyways, um, that's was talking about it. And he said that, you know, statistically based on his system and stuff like that, like Okada's had almost as good as a run. Hasn't, a wrestler hasn't had that good of a run with having that quality of matches since Ric Flair. Like, and he was serious about it. And, I mean, that says a fucking lot. Um, like, he was just being, he goes, he goes, if you look at him the last couple of years and just how incredible his matches and his skills improved, you know, I mean, he's hes a monster. He really is. So it's like, if you go for Ricardo versus Omega, I don't think, like, either one of them are bad choices by far. But, yeah, he's hes a little bit different. And I am love AJ Styles, man. I, I have to definitely say that. They don't want none. They don't want none. No, I'm not going to do that. All right. um, Let's do our favorite baby face, male and female. Chris, you ready? So, favorite baby face. I think think me and you might have the same choices, because it's kind of obvious for both of them. Um, I'm going to have to give it to AJ Styles for WWE. Uh, I can't think of someone that represented being a baby face as well as him. Um, I'm glad that they kind of said... You know what? People aren't digging the heel AJ Styles. Let's let's do this whole thing and just... I, you saw him take shape and start getting better on the mic and feeling more comfortable for the first time. You know, I mean, he's never been a slouch by any means, but I think he really found himself, and he's a badass. And then for New Japan, I mean, uh, Tanahashi, uh, just... He's a monster over there. I mean, he is... An incredible wrestler, incredible storyteller. I love that when he comes to the rings, girls give him articles of clothing so he can wipe his sweat off with it and give it back to them. Like it's ridiculous. It's it's amazing. I, I loved learning about New Japan this year, and he was one of my favorite wrestlers to go back and research, if you will. Um, and then for her favorite female babyfaces, uh, WWE, Asuka. Oscar, Oscar. Uh, if uh, if I'm William Regal, um, but yeah, Oscar is just awesome. She's great. Um, I could put Charlotte very close behind her. I just feel like with some of the ladies, uh, I love Sasha Banks. I do really like Bayley. Now that I went back and watched a lot of her NXT stuff, and I really do like that she's trying to amp up her attitude in the ring, I think that all these ladies, uh, Becky Lynch included, they're kind of holding them back. Um, I don't know what the hell's been going on lately, but they've kind of been in very similar storylines and, I don't know, kind of pointless. Uh, Except for Charlotte, which I'm glad they finally gave her the freaking title back, because to me, her and AJ should have the titles over there, Uh, which they do now. But um, yeah, Asuka definitely sticks out over everyone. Uh, Impact, due to the fact that she was a babyface, I'm pretty sure she turned heel, but when she was, uh, you know, uh, or at Impact for for non-WWE, I mean, um, Rosemary was the babyface, so I didn't really like that many of the other ones. I wasn't that familiar with Gail Kim. Sexy star kind of screwed herself over. Like I said, from a lot of this type of stuff, maybe she'll be the heel that I pick uh, for being an idiot. Um, But yeah, Rosemary probably would be that person, but uh, Christopher, who did you pick?
2: I also picked Oscar. I kind of wavered back and forth on this one between her and Ember Moon, simply because I think that they had the best runs of all the females. Um, and the reason I went back and forth is because Asuka kind of was more of a tweener in NXT, um, but now that she's on the main roster, obviously they, they are pushing her as a baby face is a big deal. So I ended up going with Asuka. We might get some backlash on this one because she was a heel in NXT, we get it, or a tweener in NXT. Um, if I had a second choice, it would have been Ember. I think Asuka versus Ember was the definitely the if I had to put a female match of the year in there, um, would have been the match of the year those two they lit up that fucking ring um, and it was wonderful and it sucked that Oscar got hurt during the match but it was a brilliant fucking match that was the no fault of anyone in that match it just accidents happen um, and then on Impact I went with Laurel Van Ness uh, if you remember she did the deportion uh, <laughs> deportation angle uh, where she basically played a good guy and I thought that was one of the more interesting things on Impact she's pretty good in the ring Um, I don't think I watched enough of impact to really get a good feel for who was a heel and who was a a face In a lot of senses. Just, I remember watching that angle, which I I believe started in July and ended in like, I I think he got deported in like September or November. And I thought that was a really interesting story angle. And I thought she played the character very well. I like, I like her gimmick a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had to pick just based on straight wrestling, I'd probably go uh, Carrie Zane. So I'd end up putting two WWE people here. Uh, I think she's fucking incredible and she's going to be super, super over um, as a babyface once she gets to the top level. And then, of course, there's always Charlotte Flair. For the majority of the year, she was a heel. So it, it's weird with these female wrestlers because a lot of them switch. The only one that I can remember being like straight babyface the entire time probably, as far as WWE goes, she'd probably go Bayley and maybe Naomi. And Naomi, could, you could make a good case for Naomi, Naomi on this list as well, because I think that she had a pretty incredible year, and then they kind of um, just went away from her, booking-wise, which I, I don't know the politics behind that or why that was, but I thought I that she had one hell of a year as well. So the two I came up with was Oscar and Laurel Van Ness.
1: So what about uh, Babyface Male? Did you have the same ones as me with Tanahashi and uh, AJ Styles?
2: Babyface Male, I definitely had AJ Styles and Tanahashi. Tanahashi wrestling with a hurt arm, um, selling to NATO, beating NATO for the title. I think all of those moments were huge moments. Um, There was definitely some great moments between Prince Puma and Johnny Morrison on Lucia Underground. But at this point, Neither of those characters are really heels, so it was hard for me to go on a limb and pick one of those guys um so I ended up going with i mean tanahashi's he, I, tanahashi's just so amazing like everything he's done this year has been great he's He should have been right up there in my category with you know top wrestlers outside of the company. I think his injuries held him back a little bit this year um and also, just the year that Omega and Okada had and even NATO had was just fucking like insane by any standard. Uh, so I, I ended up going with, with Tanahashi and AJ Styles. I just, to me, they were the best overall baby face. Uh, and then I think you could also go as far to throw, you know, like if Braun Strowman was actually a baby face, I probably would have thrown him in this character, like in this list. Because the fans I are am a mother. baby face. <laughs> but he's not So I went with AJ Styles and Tadahashi I think they're the most over at being In their character Which is just Not not to be racist But what's considered a white meat Baby face Um Smiling happy good guys That want to do good things So uh, Those are my two
1: Yeah I'm Braun Strowman. Oh man Um yeah, but Braun's Bron, over his shit, man. People love Braun. I love Rusev. I hope, I hope Rusev has a good push this year. I, I doubt it will happen, but I'm, I'm digging Rusev there. I just wanted to throw that out there since we haven't talked in a minute. But
2: Just to give a little love, if I had to put a tag team on this, it would be the Fashion Police because they were fucking phenomenal. And they gave them a bullshit role, and they nailed it, and they were really, really great. I feel like they yeah, deserve the, it.
1: Dave, 1 is H What does that mean Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and also uh, Uso's had one hell of a year too uh, Obviously Being champs and you know just I don't know if they're really baby face But uh, let's go mm-hmm. into that other uh, concept your, What is your favorite heel For WWE Non-WWE male and female Chris
2: Oh, man. Okay, so favorite female heels, I have Alexa Bliss currently. I think that she's – I was going to put Paige here um, because she did come back as a heel, but she's only been back for like a month and a half, so I felt like it was a little too early. And Alexa Bliss kind of has held down the division on Raw, um, for good or worse. Uh, I, I I think that she's done a really good job. Uh, I think that there were some segments that we'll talk about later that were (laughs) really, really bad, but overall, I thought she was pretty good. Um, and then on impact, I was, I, 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 like for another female heel, I was so torn, but I ended up picking Rosemary because she did have a heel run where she went against several different people, but she ended up making my list times just because I, I think she's just my f- favorite female wrestler outside of wwe so i'm probably a little biased but um Me too. yeah weird i i mean if i had to pick someone else it, it gets really it gets really hard because i like the amount of female wrestling that you see when you're watching new japan or impact or um even PWG to some extent is minimalized in comparison to what they're doing on NXT and WWE right now. They're kind of highlighting it. For a long time, they were. it was the exact opposite. So, you know, if I had to go, you know, a secondary heel and it wasn't outside of WWE, I probably would have went Natalia. I thought she had a pretty good year. I thought that she did some pretty good stuff. Um, and either her or, you know, Charlotte, obviously, but Um, because I had to go outside of WWE. I went with Rosemary. Um, and some of that, I'm probably just mixing up with the Hardy's broken angle and a lot of the stuff they did. But once again, it's just one of those weird things where she's, which it's, it's impact. So they switch whether they're heel or faces on the constant. Like, if we talk about the beginning of 2017, she, she feuded with Gail Kim and Jade. Um, God, she did. She went against Sienna. She she had a bunch of matches where she played the heel, and then they kind of just switched her up. Uh, so to me, she falls in the list. I, I think that she has a great character. I think she's a great female wrestler. I think that there's other wrestlers that are trying to do similar stuff to her right now with her gimmick. That's it's not as good. But uh, yeah, and and her work in AAA was pretty good as well uh, until she got hurt sexy star, who might actually be the heel of the year, if we're talking about in real life. <laughs> oh, no
1: shit. What, what, about, uh, the, what about the dudes uh, fit for favorite
2: heels? Well, my number one with a bullet was definitely outside of, of WWE, and that's Nato. I, just fucking phenomenal. Everything he did with that title belt was hilarious. In fact, I just posted a GIF on the show post of him throwing that belt in the air his overall attitude, the fact that, like I said earlier, he was trying to pay for, like, fast, like, not fast food, but, like, just stuff from a gas station with the title built. Um, the build up between him and Tanahashi I thought was fucking incredible. I think that he has one of the most interesting factions going. Um, just everything about Nato's character just intrigues me so much. It makes me always want to see more of him. Uh, even though I'm getting subtitled versions sometimes and weird commentary of what he's saying, uh, I just really appreciate his character, and he always goes all in with it. He never he never stops going all in. Um, for WWE, this was really, really hard for me because I wanted to pick Miz here, um, but I ended up picking Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens, once again, had a, one hell of a year, uh, especially with all the, the end of the Jericho stuff leading into where he's at right now. And he's just so consistent on the mic, even when he's on Talking Smack, even when he's on Twitter. Uh, His character doesn't ever waver or break. He's very, very good at being a heel. And I think he had some of the best matches uh, in WWE. Not any of them real top, like five-star matches, but he's very consistent and he's always been a great worker. I think he could take it to the next level Uh, if they just give him a little bit of push and I was really hoping to have like a stone cold Shane McMahon type angle with Kevin Owens to, you know, kind of like the kill steam kill gimmick that they did in, uh, ring of honor. Um, I think where he's basically bucking against the company, I think that they could do something really cool with him. Um, but just overall as a heel, I think he was my favorite in WWE if I had to pick a second favorite, it would definitely be The Miz. I think The Miz uh, doesn't get as much respect as he deserves. He does on this show, but in a lot of other media outlets, The Miz doesn't get the respect he deserves. He, the fact that he is always going to be the mid-card heel at this point, and, and they put him there on purpose because he's an anchor and they know he can do the job. I feel like he deserves you know an honorable mention and a lot of respect from everyone. And I think if at some point they decide to turn him babyface, I feel like that he could and he got a push behind him where he was actually winning matches legit. Maybe even with the figure four. I think I think that he would make Miz a star again. Um, not that he's not, but I feel like you could get him to the top level if you really wanted to, especially with as good as he is on the mic. So that was a hard choice, but I ended up going with uh with KO.
1: I mean really, honestly, those two I think are neck and neck for um who I would pick for heel of the year for the WWE. I went with The Miz. I just thought he had an excellent year. Just, I mean, it's, Kevin Owens is also amazing on the mic, and he's definitely, I think, a better guy in the ring uh, for The Miz. But Miz, no such. Uh, I think that there's lots of qualities about he, he takes stuff, and we all know this, from Ric Flair and from The Rock, but makes it original. And it's taken him a long time for not people – outside of wrestling, but wrestling fans take him seriously. And he's a serious heel. Uh, he's great on the mic. You can put him against anyone. He can make them look like an idiot. That WrestleMania match was crap, but everything leading up to it was awesome between him and Cena. Um, and I love the stuff with him and Maurice. Uh, I've loved that he's kind of gotten Bo Dallas and, uh, curse Axel something to do, uh, with the miscarriage. Uh, I thought that he could have held on to the IC title, honestly. I like him as the Intercontinental uh, Champion. Uh, I think he's, he's great uh, at what he does. And uh, I don't think Kevin Owens is a bad, is a bad choice at all. Uh, he's had some great stuff, too. Uh, literally, both of them have had more good than bad, honestly. They've had a great year. Uh, and I would definitely say New Japan would be uh, NATO, uh, like you said. I mean, Suzuki, I guess, would come second. But he, I didn't really experience story arcs. I think I just experienced him for the first time of him beating up young lions and uh, just acting like a complete crazy idiot. But when it came down to being a heel, you know, you know, like you said, NATO throwing all the vignettes they made with, with him uh, were incredible. Um, I I loved it. I'll also give a little um, shout out to Eli Drake uh, over in impact wrestling. I think he had one hell of a year Uh, guys. I mean, he said it a million times. He's, influenced by The Rock, but I think that uh, it's, it's very Dolph Ziggler to Shawn Michaels-esque sometimes, but I think that he's good enough in-ring worker that, you know, it's, he's made it its own, kind of like a Nick Bockwinkle almost in a way. Uh, and I, I dig it. I think that he's doing a great job being a heel. Johnny Mundo, uh, not, not Johnny Impact, but Johnny Mundo on Lucia Underground, great heel also. I love John Morrison. I think He's incredible. Uh, For favorite female heels, uh, WWE, Uh, I want to say Alexa Bliss. I'm going to – I know she's a champion. I know she's done a lot. But she's kind of soured me sometimes. I found her to be annoying. I think that she's a great promo. And she's gotten a hell of a lot better in the ring. She had a great match with Asuka um, on Raw, I thought. Um, I just – to me, I think that Peyton Royce has had one hell of a year. And I think that she's someone that everyone sees a lot of potential as far as becoming a female heel in an NXT. Um, I'm not too big on her, her friend, her voice really annoys the shit out of me, but I like Peyton, um, her package, uh, you know, her, her her mic skills and her ring performance a lot. And I think that her and Billy will have some sort of role. I'm kind of surprised they didn't put the two of them with uh, Paige, but you know, they did what they did and they'll figure it out from there. Uh, Paige came back a little bit too late, like you said, uh, for me to be able to qualify her. But I think Peyton Royce is my favorite. Uh, Alexa Bliss, they're kind of like neck and neck. And then for Impact, uh, Sienna. Uh, I think that she's got a hell of a lot of potential. Um, you know, if she ever makes it outside of Impact, I think that she could do a great job. Um, uh, I also liked uh, John, John Morrison's uh, wife, uh, who came on the scene over in Impact. Um, uh, Taya Valkyrie, I think that she's also... Good in-ring performer, wacky gimmick, but she was good at being a heel. Um, but yeah, those were uh, those were our favorite male and female heels. That was fun. All right, let's do our favorite. Let's do our favorite and worst uh, moment, aka angle, if you will, Chris. Uh, I'll go first on this. My favorite angle this year, uh, between everything, and I mean there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, the the Chris Jericho 2 J you know, Chris Jericho coming out of nowhere and, you know, when, when he saw him on the Titan Tron and then busting him open, just that was great. But another Chris Jericho thing that I have to bring up happened this year called the Festival of Friendship. And after the buildup of pairing him and Kevin Owens together and their dynamic and the list and everything and how all of a sudden you saw how K.O. started getting annoyed by Chris Jericho. And then this whole entire Festival Friendship, I mean, it was cheesy as hell, but it was hilarious and actually a pretty good way to start a feud between the two of them. Uh, they honestly didn't have the greatest uh, Mania match, but they had some good stuff afterwards. But at least that moment I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, for worst um, was when the balls came to town on Monday Night Raw. Holy shit. Lavar and his, his sons took over the Miz, one off script, did their own thing, if ball took off his shirt, uh, you know, the N word was like, it was, it just went to chaos really badly. I will definitely say this is your life. Bailey is probably real close to second, but that was a train wreck that wasn't meant to happen. Uh, well, I guess either one of them were, but th- those to me was the best and the worst uh, moments slash angles for this year. What do you think, buddy?
2: My favorite angle was definitely Braun Strowman flipping a fucking ambulance. It was the best. It
1: was the best <laughs> thing
2: I've ever seen. It was fucking great. Braun Strowman, Incredible Hulking, an ambulance was fucking amazing. It was not realistic. Shut the fuck up. It was amazing. <laughs> I bet you won't tell Braun Strowman it's not realistic. Rip your arms off. Of you. Your mom's not realistic when I burn them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. It it was it just led to so much laughter and as it, silly as it was and some people could even throw this in the worst angle but i consider it like texas chainsaw massacre 2 where it's like so fucking cheesy and bad that it escalates to a new level of awesomeness for me so that was like by far and it also led into a really good feud between him and Roman Reigns I thought that they did really good work together I know people weren't super high on Roman Reigns which they seem to be turning the corner on now surprisingly enough Um, but I I thought their whole, whole entire feud was good so I would say the angle is more of their feud but definitely Braun Strowman flipping the fucking ambulance was my favorite um, if I had to have like a second pick, it would be NATO throwing the title belt all over the place, which isn't really an angle. That's just NATO being NATO. Uh, <laughs> worst where's angle? Um, definitely that this is your life segment with Bailey, because I felt like it was just, it just buried Bailey. And then they took her character in a really, really weird spot where she was like flirting with Corey Graves. And they did a bunch of really weird stuff after that. Um, so to me like that was my least favorite angle but my second least favorite angle um was definitely the ball the ball brother well brothers and dad uh on raw it was just uh, it just felt really unscripted and really bad and not in the sense of like when they have like Jon Stewart or Hugh Jackman on where it's just cheesy and you're like oh, okay this is the celebrity gimmick it was just bad um like, really bad. Especially considering they're athletes. They could have had them do something uh, probably a lot cooler. But uh, I get why they did it. Like, at that point in time, uh, LeVar Ball was a big deal because he, he told that girl to stay in her lane. That maybe I should stay in my lane and not mention this on Worst Angle, but I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. as the worst. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, first worst, was, yeah. this is your life.
1: Uh, do we agree that the Biggest Pop has to go to um Biggest Pop Award which is uh Chris came up with. I like that. Uh probably has to go to the Hardy's return, uh to WWE at WrestleMania. I don't think that anything was that like loud and sound like, you know, it was, that was ridiculous.
2: It it was not only deafening when the music hit and they came out, it was also deafening with the delete chants, the entire crowd was so into it. To me, it was the biggest pop. I, I haven't seen a, that big a pop since, like, S- Stone Cold returned originally when he went out with the neck injury and came back. Um, and that, you got to remember that that was a lot more fucking people. I, another, another big pop to compare that to for me is, like, when Goldberg beat Hogan for the title at the Georgia Dome. Like, it was that <laughs> much sound. Coming through your TV, it was fucking ridiculous. Like, go back and watch it if you don't believe me. It, it's, it's nuts uh, how much they dialed that meter up and and just how fucking loud it was. To me, that there wasn't a bigger pop of the entire year. Yes, there were better matches. Not that that TLC match wasn't good or anything. It it didn't have anything. No, to do with it was bad. actually it was the the it surprise was of them showing really up. Awesome. It was a good match, and and considering the fact the Hardys just had one hell of a banger of a match against the Young Bucks the night before. It makes it even fucking crazier. Because they dropped the Ring, of Honor, the Ring of Honor titles the night before. Came in in secret and showed up. Even though I had called it like two months before. So if you listened to the show, you you already knew the Hardys were back. <laughs> but it was fucking incredible. It was a massive pop. Um, definitely biggest of the year. There, there wasn't anything even close.
1: All right, well, well, we have two more awards to give out. Uh, one's not really that nice of an award, but we don't really care. This is how we feel, damn it. All right, well, we want to do Feud of the Year and Worst Feud of the Year. So best and worst. Um, which one is the bad one? You guys can figure out there. It's um, so Feud of the Year, uh, I got two listed, but I think obviously the number one goes to Okada and Omega. Uh, they had an incredible feud, great stellar matches, uh, the only thing that I will say that my second favorite feud, and you said it actually earlier, uh, Chris, I, I, well, let me also, this is also another one I, I, I need to throw in the Velveteen Dream and um, Alistair Black, the way they built that up in NXT was a brilliant feud and they had a great match. I just wish that we had a series of matches uh, to keep on going with it. They kind of dropped the ball on that, but I'm sure they have more in store for the Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black down the line. But uh, my second favorite feud this year, not, not anywhere close to Okada and Omega, but Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Um, one thing that Okada and Omega don't really have with me is me being able to watch a storyline develop with a lot of different things. And as Chris was saying, they did some fucking science fiction shit with the Roman reigns Braun Strowman. But the whole entire thing made Roman Reigns, I think, stronger in it. Uh, and I think stuff leading up after that, him and Cena, him with S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, has helped him out. But I think that him and Braun going back and forth and him being a guy that's willing, even if he looks fearful, as Roman Reigns, a, a big dude, but even if he looks fearful, he's going to have to fight this dude. And Braun Strowman, this got him over so much. He looked like a monster. I mean, when he says, not finished with you yet, and runs up and grabs the gurdy with Roman Reigns on it and just <laughs> chucks the damn thing. Off the loading ramp. I mean, I guess that's the difference. It's like if you want to go for feud of the year for 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 matches specifically and great matches, oh, Okada and Omega. But if you want to go for just building up stuff between vignettes and just ridiculous, it's, uh, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman has to be up there for it for that. And also Prince Puma versus uh, Johnny Mundo uh, for worst feud of the year. Uh, God, uh, both feuds with Bray Wyatt. Um, one with Finn Balor, one with Randy Orton, just were awful. Just bad. Um, I'm not going to even blame all of it. It's the writing, I, I think, with the majority of it. I think that they've taken Bray Wyatt, who finally got the title, for like two seconds this year, uh, and just turned him into shit. And I'm really hoping that, hopefully not at the expense of Matt Hardy, that you know, the feud with him and Hardy are really going to bring a lot of life into two of them, and I'm trying to be optimistic with this because – him and Randy Orton, the House of Wars wasn't that bad. It was pretty bad. That fucking WrestleMania match with the fucking worms on the ceiling and all the other stuff, that was just so stupid. They could have done some really cool spots. All they would have to do is turn on and off the lights to represent teleportation like they've done a million times, but just choreograph it in a way to make it look kind of scary. Mix in lighting and stuff like that and fire and pyros, because back then they were using them still. And instead, they had an LED screen of bugs. Uh, on the I don't know what the fuck that was. I also have to say that even though I like Randy Orton a lot, him and Jinder Mahal was just 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 flatlined for me. Uh, the only thing that could have been worse if they had Jinder Mahal and Bray Wyatt in the fucking storyline together. Um, I just you know at least I think Randy Orton got one good match out of that guy. Uh, you know the other guys, Shinsuke. It seemed like they were being able to get some out of jinder mahal and aj but uh man that was just that was hard uh and wh- wh- what do you think chris what's your your best and worst feuds this year
2: my worst my worst feud of the year for for males was um, ray wyatt versus randy orton just because it happened on the biggest stage and that match was just complete and utter bullshit like it was fucking terrible Um, followed second by Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton. So Randy Orton unfortunately makes my list (laughs) multiple times (laughs) for being the worst. Uh, Because, I mean, Punjabi prison match, that thing was fucked. That was even worse than the Bray Wyatt match. Um, The problem with the Bray Wyatt-Randy Orton match uh, is that they built an entire thing around Randy Orton taking away Sister Abigail and then as soon as Brie was on Raw, they brought back Sister Abigail, which is really fucking weird, and the storyline just way out of sync, and I know a lot of people don't care about it that much, but if you watch it week to week, man, like, the, the plot hole gap sometimes... Hey, man, hey man I it. didn't
1: I didn't say she wasn't still with me, man, you know? She, she's always with me. She just understands right. all the things.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what, did, what did Randy Orton call it? A crook's not a crucifix, but a crux. He stuck a crux in the ground, and he set it on fire and released her spirit. So Bray Wyatt should have no mystical powers anymore, according to Randy. It was fucking terrible. I got a mystical It was, the pal, <laughs> it was fucking terrible, is the actual answer. Uh, my worst female feud of the year was Bayley versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, this is your life leading into one of my worst matches of the year which was that kendo stick on a pole match, which was fucking terrible. I I feel like they did everything they could do to bury Bailey. Um, I don't say that lightly, but she must have pissed someone off because they gave her bullshit to work with for three fucking months. And then they look at her now and they're like, why aren't you like over? Because you guys guys straight buried her. I don't say that lightly. I don't say buried a lot. I I don't think it's a term that... That you should use because you don't know what's going on with creative. But what they did to Bailey and that Alexa Bliss feud was fucking awful. Like they fucked her hard, raw, and then they put her away wet. It. It's terrible.
1: Wow. Um, what about what about your your favorite feud of the year?
2: Favorite feud of the year: Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega for the male. Year, I don't think I think this is unfucking deniable. I think John Cena versus uh, AJ Styles could have gotten there possibly if part of it wasn't in yeah. the year before. Um, but but oh, Kazuchika Okada versus Omega, just the matches alone told such a story that you didn't like. You can watch those matches and know the feeling behind them without even like going back and watching any of the storylines. Like watching Kenny Omega's yeah. press conferences, you get the feeling in the way they wrestle in a way that I haven't seen since like Macho Man versus, you know, uh, Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat or Flair versus Terry Funk or Flair versus, oh, of course, Flare's coming up twice versus Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat. Like you get it immediately. Um, Steamboat come out twice too. Goat. Uh, <laughs> but just, uh, just the way that they were able to tell a story in three different matches and the fact that everyone was just waiting, waiting for Omega to finally get the strap and finally get that title win. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. I, I think it, it told a lot. I mean, my, my The only thing that even came close to that to me, and, and you hit on it earlier, um, because AJ Styles and John Cena were split between two years, basically, would probably be, I mean, honestly, be Braun... Uh, Braun and, and Roman Reigns, I, I think that was the close, or the Usos in the New Day yeah. because I thought the Usos in the New Day oh. feud was fucking phenomenal, and that would easily, if there was a tag, if we had a tag team portion of this, they would easily be feud of the year because the New Day's versus the Usos absolutely. We forgot great. we
1: forgot Tyler Baton, um and uh, and Pete Dunne. I mean, based on matches alone, kind of like Omega and Okada, they had three fucking burners this year.
2: It's fucking great, man! Great, great, great work. And then, um, you know, also if we're going that route, you know, Ricochet, um, yep, Ricochet and John Morrison and Ricochet and Will Osprey. I think that they had some fucking barn burners too that just built their feud up a little bit. But my second feud was was I, I went female with it, and I went Oscar and Ember Moon because I I think that they had some yeah. good matches and they worked really well together on TV, and there were some good promos there, especially considering how limited. Um, Asuka is on the mic in general I thought they did some really really cool stuff With that in NXT And I was kind of glad on I don't know if it was the past Raw or the Raw before Where she came out and uh, Cut a small promo on Alexa Bliss And then just kicked her in the head Because that's all she needs to do She doesn't need to talk a lot She just needs to kick bitches in the head And I'm down with that so kick them that was my head. female feud. my female feud was Asuka versus Ember Moon because I I thought they had the best program and they de- definitely had the best female match of the year in my opinion.
1: I'll throw a shout out on that uh, on that concept to uh, Charlotte and um, and uh, uh, Natalie and Natalia. I mean uh, I thought they had I, I'm not gonna say th- I think they had a good feud. Uh, I'm not gonna say their matches were stellar because there were definitely some weird finishes to some of them, but you know, as far as a few between the two of them, I thought they built up that storyline pretty well. I can't say that's the one thing that holds me back with Alexa bliss is I can't say that I liked a lot of the shit that she did, uh, feud wise, which a lot of it wasn't her fault. Um, but you know, just, there's been some clunky stuff, but Hey, I think that is 2017. Um, that is, I think the format me and Chris are going to do it. I will probably develop more, uh, stuff within it, maybe more categories, uh, as of next year. But, uh, Basically, that was how we felt about it. So, um, Chris, let's uh, you know, since I've been obsessing over this shit, and I ended up actually making two separate lists. Let's um, let's let's go over some of this list stuff. So, if, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, um, I had the idea uh, to basically go back and compile a list of 100 of the greatest wrestlers. Uh, from the 80s and 90s, guys that are mostly known for those two decades, uh, either coming in from the 70s kind of like Ric Flair or guys like Kurt Angle who kind of like started right towards the the, the, the end of the 90s. Uh, those were basically the, the class we were dealing with to compare it to 2010s or 2000s and 2010s, you know, basically now. Uh, just taking some wrestlers and kind of going over like either – Someone that that reminds us of someone else with their ring work, their gimmick, maybe a combination of both, uh, or possibly a guy that's kind of like them but opposite in the way you'd like to see a program with the guy. It's basically how I built a lot of these in my head, and um, we uh, we we finished them. Um, and uh, this is um, just in order. Uh, we're going to go from the first fifteen. I added five because I'm first of all psychotic. Um, no, uh, there was, there was five guys that really didn't work well since they all kind of like, I think they stopped wrestling in like, I think it was like 86, 87, but they were like big names and I kind of wanted to include them because I hear their names thrown out a, a lot with comparisons of guys from, from now. So I added Bruno San Martino, superstar Billy Graham, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, Peter Morales and Harley race. Um, all of them kind of were retired, uh, you know, mid-80s. I think Harley Race uh, might have lasted until, like, 89. But they, they definitely they reflect an influence more so than actually being a part of the 80s and 90s. So either way, this literally, this list kind of starts at the top going down as far as, you know, with the top of these five guys from the 70s um, or so, and then going to the 80s and down. So we're going to do the first... 15, including the guys, the older guys. Um, I'll, I'll start off with the first guy, Bruno San Martino, the incredible Italian wrestler that was a hero to my father and a lot of people up north. Uh, he was the WWF's uh, premier athlete, uh, Vince McMahon Sr. had him sell out the Boston Garden, the, the Madison Square Garden, you know, all the basically the northern territories, several times over, uh, when they weren't financially doing as well as when Vince took over, basically, and you know did everything they did in the 80s, Bruno was able to substantially hold down the fort money-wise uh, for the company, and also, which both guys that I'm about to say that I'm kind of representing towards Bruno in different aspects, um, he was asked to come back by Vince Sr., because he knew that he was a draw and they were only supposed to keep him around for a little while. And then they kept on asking him to stay longer and longer until his reign for title. I think ended up being several years. He's, he's got the record for the longest reign until he dropped it. I believe to, was it Bob Backlund or was it superstar Billy Graham who then lost to Bob Backlund? I can't remember off the top Bob. of my head, but either it was Bob. Okay. or um,
2: It was Jesse. Jesse Ventura was in there in between. And I think, did Bob take the title off Jesse? I'd have to look. Jealous, Ventura. I know. I know
1: I'm, I, am I getting Billy Graham mixed up with Jesse Ventura? Because I know one of them was the transitional guy. Uh, but either way, Bruno Amartino was a monster. Uh, if you want to see some awesome matches on the network, uh, check out the, one, the two that he did with Stan Hansen. The first one, he broke his neck legitimately no, from Stan Hansen. second one.
2: Did you say Billy Graham? Because I think you're right now that I think about it. I think, I think you're right. Uh, I yeah, think it th- was Billy Graham. Then the and death then it was Bruno and out. Billy
1: and then Bob and then Bob lost it to the Sheik and then the Sheik lost, or the Iron Sheik I should say and then the Iron Sheik lost to Hulk Hogan. And then Hogan Andre.
2: Up, which he's, he's still talking about to this day.
1: You know what brother? I, the stupid I, I, I put him over.
2: I, uh, I cut the fucking leg. <laughs> Oh, cheeky baby!
1: They told me to break his leg, but uh, yeah, get it, get him back into it. And um, my, I had two, I had two options. Like I said, I have a lot of two options for these. Kind of like reflections off, because these guys, they transition throughout their career. You know, they're different from the start than the ending. So it's that's I, that's the way I kind of looked at it. But Bruno Martino, I think there's a case for John Cena. John Cena helped WWE was their flagship hero for a ridiculous long time. During a time period where the company was kind of like, you know, not collapsing but not doing as well, and he held it in there until they started, like, you know, growing again, very similar to, to Bruno Sammartino. So early career, I think John and Bruno kind of have a similarity. Later career, I think he kind of represents a little bit of what they're doing with Brock Lesnar. I think that Brock, and they, they both weigh the same, but I think Brock's like three fucking inches taller. I would have loved to see those two monsters beat the shit out of each other. Um, especially with those, those ham hocks Or whatever the fuck Roddy Roddy Piper used to say um, But Brock Lesnar Later career Vince Jr. getting him to come back After the popularity of the UFC Working things out Getting him to come back again Hey we'll give you the title You know it's not like Bruno As in the amount of time that Sr. did with him But it's very similar to that fashion And they're both like just genetic monsters Babyface-wise, obviously, Bruno has a lot more in common with John Cena, but there's definitely reflections of both those wrestlers that I can see comparable with the great Italian himself, Bruno Sammartino. Chris, What do you got?
2: I also have two, and one of them you already named on, which was John Cena, um, specifically his run from probably 2008 up to 2012, where you get CM Punk uh, showing up and really becoming – this massive force in wrestling and then probably second which a lot of people are going to go crazy about is going to be uh bill goldberg and the reason i will say this is because i think both of them were regional wrestlers in a really weird way that had um long undefeated streaks uh bill goldberg obviously in the south being from atlanta georgia like playing for the falcons Being that undefeated monster, being as popular as he was, carrying an entire company on his back, essentially, uh, I think deserves honorable mention uh, as far as someone to compare to Bruno Bruno Martino. Not necessarily in the ring, uh, but definitely just overall, like their careers kind of aligned in a weird way. Uh, And they could have easily made Goldberg a Bruno San Martino character uh, for the south they could have easily done that and had him carry that title for a long time there's bad ww or bad wcw booking involved obviously um and his matches weren't as long and he's not as good of a wrestler but he was a very big physical presence a very big force and someone that i think he could compare as far as careers go with the long undefeated streaks um And the way that there were certain fans that got really behind him, especially if you live here in Georgia or Florida or South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee even, Um, he was massive. He was a huge fucking deal. Not a wrestler that I like a lot. Not someone I give a lot Mm -hmm. of compliments to. Someone that blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) I'm going to throw him up there with Bruno San Martino. So that's probably my comparison. Just because I, I think John Cena can fit elsewhere as well. Um, so if I had to go one for one, it'd probably be Goldberg, vs. San Martino, because I think they meant that much to their companies. And, you know, honestly, without Vince McMahon Jr., I think uh, WWF would have died out. The same way WCW I, died out when they got rid of Goldberg, or basically fucked Goldberg and booked him really bad for a long period of time. I, I
1: I like that comparison, actually. I think that's a pretty smart comparison. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can look at with Goldberg, um, and we'll get to him down on the list too. Uh, but, yeah, that, that concept of him being the, kind of like the southern Bruno San Martino because he was that popular. There's one thing about Bruno is that he had strength, and he could toss guys around, and he could hit you. Um, and I think that he had a, a little bit of wrestling background in high school. I believe I, I just listened to a two hour interview with him and Chris Jericho. Um, but you know, uh, he fought in the ring He was known about his strength, but you know, you watch him against Piper in the late eighties, you watch him against Stan Hansen. He's a brawler more so than anything. He's going to just try to like throw hands with you. Um, so someone like Goldberg is actually not a bad person because they would, that would be a good stopping force. Like, You know, for all the stuff that me and you say about Bill Goldberg, I mean, that's a pretty damn good comparison. That's why I kind of like Brock, too, in a way, Um, is because it's just pure dominance. You have a guy, Brock's much more of a heel perspective. Uh, Well, I mean, he's not really a heel, but you know what I'm saying. Like, Bruno and and Goldberg and Cena are baby faces. Two other guys I want to throw out there, though, um, Cesaro. I think everyone has said athletically he's a freak. His strength levels, he's a guy from Europe he claims Bruno as one of his biggest inspirations. I can definitely see a comparison there. I love Cesaro just for the fact that he comes off agile, like today's wrestlers, but still has an old school look and feel to him of wrestlers of, of yesterday that a lot of guys just don't have anymore. Um, and I think there was a second one, but I can't remember who it was. So we'll have to keep on going. If I come back with that, I'll let you guys know. Ah, uh, superstar Billy Graham, another big guy. Uh, I think the one that might've beaten Bruno San Martino, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll figure that out. I have two comparisons for him. Um, I think that Brian Cage has a very much of a a Superstar Billy Graham look. Uh, You know, I know him as being more of a babyface for what he's done in in Lucha Underground, at least. I don't know how he is on the uh, PWG scene. Uh, He's very popular. He has, it's, it's more of like a look than anything than my other comparison, which is Sheamus. I think Sheamus has a very similar build. Obviously, he's Irish, but they have that type of heel quality. They're they're both brooding guys that will just strike the shit out of you, hit you, use their strength and their size for their advantage, and kind of come off cocky and arrogant like they do, but at some points in their career were very well-liked for the same reason. Um, So for superstar Billy Graham, he's always been – I don't know too much about him besides looking up his matches and, and hearing, you know, Stuff between him and Bruno and stuff between and uh, so on and so on. But I know that people like like uh, Scott Steiner, for instance, takes a lot of inspiration from superstar Billy Graham. And honestly, if we're going to compare, if it's a realistic comparison, if we're just going 90s and 80s or 90s, 80s and 70s or whatever, it's Scott Steiner. But Brian Cage has the Scott Steiner type of quality to him. And Seamus, to me, has a very, very Billy Graham quality to him. Um, Chris, did you find anyone else that was different or anything like that?
2: Man, honestly, I really, really, really thought Scott Steiner, just because of his career in TNA. Um, I know that he's included on the list multiple times, but he was my go-to as well. I, I think that they're very similar, even in their promos, their overall look, the fact that they're just kind of genetic freaks, which whether they got there naturally or not, is irrelevant. Um, but the comparison you made with Brian Cage is is a really, really, really great one. Um, the only other guy that I had more just physique and kind of just being like an absolute athletic freak uh, was Matt Morgan, um, seven foot, three hundred and thirty pounds, giant dude. Yeah, good on the mic, but not great on the mic. Um, was another guy that I thought of. I like that.
1: Dude, what about Matt Morgan? I'm going to do this constantly throughout the whole entire thing since people aren't listed. Matt Morgan versus mm-hmm. Big John Studd. That would be a friggin' awesome match in the ring. Those two guys do the shit out of each other. <laughs> Alright, uh, let's go to one of my favorite historical wrestlers, uh, a man that you know Flair took inspiration from and a lot of, lot of wrestlers. Uh, Mr. Always in Suits, Always Looking Badass, one of the best promos Of all times, one of the best heels, uh, AWA champion for a ridiculous uh, amount of time, and the guy that had Bobby Heenan in his corner, Mr. Nick Bockwinkle. Now, many people, CM Punk even included, have cited Nick Bockwinkle's wrestling performance or his mic skills as inspirations. Um, I think that today, Cody Rhodes has a flair of him that reminds me of Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, He said that he even tried to model his presence now more so off of that. I think he wants to get as far away from the stardust uh, guy in the mask, you know, Phantom of the Opera bullshit as much as possible. He wears suits. Yeah, he has a group of people that, that, you know, in Bull Club that he associates himself with, but he's more about just being not Ric Flair because he's not so over the top or aggressive. Like the Miz kind of reminds me of Flair. Cody reminds me of Nick Bockwinkle. Um, I'll say that Dave Metzler compared Okada, uh, very much his presence. The fact that he backs up his good wrestling skills with great, um, you know, just, uh, not, not like I said, not like Ric Flair where it's all over the place and over the top much more, you know, cocky arrogance, uh, So I thought I'd throw it out there, but Cody Rhodes kind of has that flavor for me. How about you, Chris?
2: I'm probably going to hate myself for this, but um, Uh late 2000s Chris Jericho, 2007, 2008, going against Shawn Michaels, where he was being a straight old-school heel, I think, uh, with the way that he had a very technical wrestling skill. I think even in his book, if I remember, the, the first book he did, the, the Best in the World, he actually wrote that he took part of his character from Nick Bockwinkle. And to me, they kind of go hand in hand, but Chris Jericho goes hand in hand with a lot of people, and he's probably going to show up multiple times as we talk about this just because of who Chris Jericho is. Jericho has always been someone that's able to recreate himself, reinvent himself, and package something different. But he's always along the way, kind of gave credit to who he's taking a little bit from. Um, so it's it's really weird, but you know, there's if you if you've ever read Chris Jerko's book, he has like some really good quotes in there um, about how he wanted to piss off fans um, who were marks, uh, basically, and he did a lot of that in uh, like specifically in the Shawn Michaels feud. Uh, would be the would be the Chris Jericho I'm talking about. Um, so Chris Jericho is probably my number one. Um, and, and I mean, you made some really great points uh, with some of the other people. I, I could even say you could you could even maybe toss Christian in there a little bit with his impact here. Yeah. Um, and the, as far as he acts, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the Canadian wrestlers, they do take a little bit of the old school and try to mix it in. But th- those would be my two offhand. Uh, I love your
1: Jericho uh, concept. I think that's a very specific era, Jericho. I'm going to say, especially get down to him, even though I kind of... I like the way that you did it, uh, Chris, uh, but I kind of like, if I already used someone, I wasn't going to use him later on. And if I had him on one side, I was just trying to be specific and ridiculous, but this brings a lot more conversation, which is good, uh, but as far as Chris Jericho, we'll get to him later on, but to me... When we get to Ric Flair, it's like I have a guy that's great for his professional wrestling career. I have a guy that's great for his mic skills, both modern guys. But I don't have a combination guy. The only person that, honestly, reinventing himself, being around for decades, being a suitable heel, but also being over his shit with the people, uh, being in the same league as Ric Flair, as Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, I've said it a million times. It's kind of like how I compare Tommy Dreamer with Terry Funk or Bubba Ray Dudley with Dusty Rhodes. It's kind of like, to me, those are just like, if we're going 90s guys and backwards, that to me kind of makes a lot more sense. But um, let's go on to the next guy. Peter Morales, uh, one of the most decorated Intercontinental title champions. He also was a World Heavyweight Champion for a long time. Uh, One of my dad's favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, I kind of, even though I picked him to be in here, I picked him more on importance than actual knowledge. Um, uh, I watched some stuff with him in it, uh, but I ended up just going with another Puerto Rican superstar that I thought was suitable. Um, that's also c- compared, you know, uh, with his WWE work, uh, later on with another wrestler, but, uh, Carly Colon, also known as, um, oh, man, what's the apple biter dude? Uh, what the hell? I spit in the face of people that are cool. What the hell's his name? Chris, save me.
2: Uh, God. Now I'm blanking on it because you forgot. Carlos? Uh, is it Carlos,
1: Carlos? Carlito. Carlito. Okay. Yes. All right. So Carlito. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're two of the only big superstars from Puerto Rico that made the WWE, made a huge impact, both IC champions. Um... You know, and they both have a bravado about them and a regal style presence. I don't know where Carlito's career went, but when I was watching wrestling, and I kind of fell out of it. He was doing fairly well. Uh, so there, to me, is a good comparison. I don't really have a lot, and I probably, and I'll, you know, based on who we don't have on this list,
2: might don't want to take
1: him out of there, but that's all right. He's one of the past guys. Uh, Chris, who do you got?
2: I mean, Carly Colon is a great comparison. Um, he was trained by Carlos Colon, his his father, um,
0: obviously. Yeah.
2: I, I think that's, like, a really, really good comparison. Um, that's one that I had in my list, so I'm I'm going to roll with that as well. I, I think that he fits – Pedro Mor- Morales is really hard. I see a lot of Manny Fernandez uh, and Pedro Morales crossover between those two. And, obviously, Manny took a lot of the uh, – South Texas style, you know, Dory Funk, Terry Funk uh, promo, even even a little bit of Dusty, where he's like throwing in a baby there every once in a while, which he's not on our list, but I I would compare Carly Cologne more to him, but Pedro Morales is also a good comparison, and or not Pedro Morales, Carly Cologne is also a good comparison to either of those guys. Um, with with both of them being heels and faces at different times. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know what? I think that's better than the comparison I had, so I'm going to roll with the same thing you had, honestly.
1: Nice! Well, now we have one of our favorite godfathers of wrestling. Uh, he, he talks like this and very slow and methodical with his... Uh, I'm doing a horrible Harley race impression, uh, but the king himself, Harley race, whether he's wearing purple or has that fucking amazing mustache. Uh, you know, he's probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Brutal. Um, obviously, if you're going in-ring work style, and you're doing someone a little bit more, you know, closer, I would say Triple H. Harley Race has even called that out himself. And, you know, for the in-ring, you know, they, they, they do similar things. Arn Anderson had a similar style to Harley that he modeled that, Triple H model up to two of them, so it's it, it, it makes a lot of sense that I think that um, uh, Bobby Roode kind of inherits uh, modern day is that same rough but you know explosive style bad guy, if you will. But um, Holly Race, I mean, this guy was a legend, NWA champion multiple times. Um, he was a beast. Uh, you know, he he did stuff. For the first time, that was in a brutal fashion, like his off-the-top robo- or, uh, headbutts. And, um, you know, he's known for... People always say that he could actually what people's ass. Like, there was wrestlers that were pussies, and there was guys like Harley Race and, you know, Haku, who we'll, we'll be going over later on. Uh, for that type of concept, I'm going to go with Minoru Suzuki. Um, you know, in New Japan, this guy is feared. He beat Ken Shermock twice in UFC... He's got a legitimate MMA background. Um, he is a fucking badass. I don't know if it was UFC, but I know it was one of the promotions. Um, he's a legitimate badass. His, 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 his actual um, fighting skills for boxing MMA are superior to his wrestlings, but his presence is pretty intimidating, scary. Uh, people don't want to mess with him. Uh, so if I'm thinking about it, they might not be a direct reflection of each other, but what I want to see Suzuki versus race in a fucking match with both these guys in their prime, just beating the shit out of each other. I know they could take a lot of punishment. So that's who I figured out, Chris. I know that Harley's a lot more dear to your heart. Uh, who, who did you find out,
2: man? It's really hard for me because the people that I compare most are Harley race also show up in the nineties list. Um, and I could go specific time, time period, but I, I don't want to do that over and over and over again. Uh, So I actually went Chris Hero uh, mostly because they were trained by a lot of similar people. They both throw those hard forearm shots, which is definitely a tribute to Harley Race. They're very different, but they're both hard asses, Um, both not your typical looking athlete, both very good on the mic, Uh, specifically in Ring and Honor, um, Sweet and Sour Inc., was a, a, a big Ring of Honor presence, also a PWG presence with the Briscoe Brothers, and that specific era of Chris Hero really, really stands out to me as being very Harley Race-esque. Um, and the fact that they were trained by very, uh, like, you know, like Harley Race was also trained by Dory Funk uh, Sr. Um, so, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of crossover there uh, where you have, like, you know, you have like Buddy Austin was involved, and I don't know. They just—they're very similar, um, in a lot of ways. So I, I went with Chris Hero. His main trainer was Masala, who was was trained by Dory Funk Jr. And there's a lot of crossover between the two. So to me, like Chris Hero could be that guy. He hasn't—he doesn't have the attitude WWE needs to. Um, but when he was in Ring of Honor. Specifically, I I think that he was closer. Uh, Like, honestly, if I had to just pick anyone to match up with Harley Race, uh, just the way that they portrayed him and the way that he was so badass, it would have been Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, But obviously, he shows up list. So I'm going to go Chris Hero for now. Um, And specifically, Ring of Honor, Chris Hero.
1: I mean, the Austin comparisons would have been phenomenal. I would love to see him go in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Honestly, um, cause he's actually someone that I think could be, you know, intimidating enough to actually go against the beast and be a suitable p- opponent for him. I mean, that's, that's the thing about Harley. is like, he's known for not only being a great wrestler inside the ring, but being able to whoop some guy's ass, no problem. You know, if it came down to it. Um, and he was the only one time period where there was a transition. Uh, so, you know, I could definitely see that. Um, it's basically had someone that's brutal, but I, I like that he's a Chris Hero. Uh, we'll definitely be seeing him very shortly, actually, for me, uh, coming up. Um let's go and start our the official list has started, Chris. Isn't that great? We're at one now, technically. Um this is the Oh wait, first.
2: I just remember I just remembered who my actual Harley Race guy was. It was it was Jay oh, Briscoe. It was Jay Briscoe. <laughs> remember we talked great, about this the other night? and I couldn't remember, and now I remember, it was Jay Briscoe. <laughs> Jay Briscoe or Chris he Hero, he'd was... toss up, but those are my two.
1: <laughs> you could also, I mean, I know he's his father's uh, son, but um, Dick Murdoch's son, um, what's his name? He was trained by Harley Race. Yeah, um, I can't remember Dick Murdoch's son. He had a tag team in the 2000s with uh, oh man, Lance Tre- Cade, Tre- Trevor
2: Trevor? Trevor Murdoch? Yeah.
1: Trevor was that scrappy style fighter trained by Harley Race. Um, I know that CM Punk was also someone that's another fun thing to talk about, too, is people that were actually trained by these wrestlers. CM Punk had some training from Harley as well. A lot of guys had training from Harley, though. Um, just like the I, Funk I would, Brothers. And we'll...
2: so the thing with Jay is more the overall attitude in his promos and the way he handles stuff. And He's a little more over the top than Harley Race, but times have changed And if you put Jay Briscoe back in the 60s, he probably would have dialed it down a little bit. Um, Probably. They both are well-known kind of badasses and assholes. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, No, I like your choice.
1: I definitely do. All right, well, we got Bob Backlund. Um, Something that's resonated with me, uh, and it was J.R.'s uh, commentating over one of the... uh, Tyler Bate, um, Pete Dunn matches and, you know, comparing Tyler's strength, his ridiculous strength, flexibility, you know, but also amazing, uh, wrestling skills. Uh, even though he's obviously a little bit smaller than Bob Backlund, And the thing about this list is when you're comparing a lot of these guys, it's like everyone shrunk down the size because the whole entire aspect of wrestlers is not about being bodybuilders. It's about being able to do as much as you can do in the ring. Um, that's much more important nowadays. So Tyler Bate to me is someone that's like Bob Acklin. He's 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 baby face as shit. Um he was a designated champion. Uh not someone that they I, I don't think they were gonna have long term. Well, Bob Acklin actually probably had the title for a while. I don't remember exactly. Like I said, I, I, I know a lot about wrestling. I'm not gonna claim to be a historian like Deb Nitzler. Um, but to me, Tyler Tyler Bate his in ring presence um his his, you know, just babyface as hell mentality, um kind of puts him over. Obviously we haven't seen a heel turn in him, so we don't know if he kind of matches Bob Backlund in a heel sense, but if I'm talking, you know, seventies Bob Backlund, I just won the title compared to Tyler Bate, I just won the UK title. Um put the two of them in the ring, that's what I would like to see. Uh who did you have, Chris?
2: It's a great comparison, but I, I actually had Jack Swagger and I compared it more to heel Bob Backlund versus his run as champion. Because I like his run as champion, even though it was a pretty good run, it wasn't well received. I think his heel run was closer. And I think uh, when Jack Swagger first won the title, he was kind of a close Bob Backlund, both great amateur wrestlers similar styles in the ring, both goofy looking, um, both kind of without a real gimmick, just kind of like, Hey, we're amateur wrestlers. Um, so that, that was my comparison was Jack Swagger.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see Jack Swagger. That's a great comparison. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, we have Terry Funk. Terry Funk to me goes two ways. And these are guys that you actually compared to Harley race um, it's it's hard to, it's hard to pick a guy like Terry Funk because he's done so much. He's been a great heel um, during times with Dusty and during times with Jerry Lawler um, in Memphis. Uh, he's been a beloved babyface for his whole hardcore run. I think that if you kind of equate, even though Tommy Dreamer's from Jersey um, and Terry Funk's obviously from Texas, both of them. Training a majority of this generation, you know, or the next generations after them, uh, like Terry did. And like Tommy dreamer did. I think there's a good comparison between the two of those guys. uh, willing to put their bodies on the line. I don't know if Tommy's as skilled. And I think that he would even admit that because Terry's pretty damn overall back in his day, he was an incredible in ring performer. Um, I mean, he's still fucking wrestling, but to me, he's the best comparison. But if I'm not going to do Tommy Dreamer, since he's on this list, uh, and what, like I said, me and Chris are going to be doing this the whole entire time. It just creates more conversation for you guys to kind of like, you know, just think about and stuff. And if you guys want to join our conversation, remember to call 929-477-3781. Give us your opinions. You know, let us know what, what, what you guys think. Um, I care to know. If you hate one of my opinions, let me know. I might be a dick to you afterwards, but that's okay. It's it's up to you to to figure that out. But, um, I went with actually uh, either Jake Briscoe or Chris Hero. I think both of those guys have a lot of qualities that are like Terry. Um, I think Jay's a little more rugged, but Chris is maybe not as rugged uh, in a way. Um, and I think Chris is actually more comparable to Terry's brother, but I'll get to my reasoning for that. Um, but Jay Briscoe, I mean, had a pretty damn good run with, with his Ring of Honor title. Um I think he's more known uh, than his brother uh, Terry. Unfortunately, kind of overshadows Dory, even though Dory's amazing and was the NWA champion before him. That's just how the you know Terry's legacy has bounced uh, you know collectively with the masses. Um, so to me, Jay Briscoe or Chris Hero, um, just being like the underdog concept. I always say that Sami Zayn, not as not as in ring skills, but there's certain aspects that if you kind of go, if Kevin Owens is to Mick Foley. Sami Zayn is Terry Funk. At least personally with me, that's how I always kind of like saw it. Uh, But, yeah, I think that my main choice would be Jay Briscoe, but the right choice is Tommy Dreamer. Chris?
2: Uh, I picked Dean Ambrose here for Terry Funk. I think he's the closest as far as character goes. It's easy to throw him in the ring with someone like Brian Pillman, but I don't think he really gets there. Specifically, if you look at his, you know, John Moxley CZW hardcore stuff, Um, The way he cuts promos, the intensity, the way he fills it. The fact that they even had Terry Funk cut a promo with Dean Ambrose, I think, shows a lot of comparison. If I had to do a one-for-one with Terry Funk, it would be Cactus Jack. I I think Mick Foley took a lot of Terry Funk's style, a lot of what made Terry Funk great, the promos, the fact that he chose to do a high voice in a lot of his promos as Mankind, and uh, obviously Cactus Jack. Um, and that's just how Terry Funk talks. Uh, those would be my two, but if I had to pick a modern wrestler, it would it would probably be Dean Ambrose, just because in a lot of ways, Dean Ambrose isn't as good as, like, up Ryan Pillman is, or, you know, some of the other people that play that kind of role. And, ter- like, 80s Terry Funk and uh, John Moxley – have a lot of similarities like with the taken my like Terry Funk's promo where Jerry Lawler took his eye for instance and John Moxley's promo where he's like you smell like my mom's purse there's a lot of similarities in those characters where they're just both kind of whacked out but it still comes back to wrestling in a good way so that that's my comparison and also Dean Ambrose hits a hell of a DDT it's a single arm DDT the reason Cactus Jack uses single arm DDT is because Terry Funk uses it. Um, those are, those are. I mean, I think they fit well together. That's what I went with with Terry.
1: I, I mean, I think Dean Ambrose is a great comparison. Uh, that's, that's all. When we're done with all this, you guys send me your notes so I have them all there because I want to be able to fancy book these on a 2K17. <laughs> but um, all right, we're going now to Terry's brother, Dory Funk Jr. Um, I I think the best choice for this, if you ask Dory Funk, I think based on his in-ring work, he's a huge Randy Orton fan. Um, Randy Orton, maybe I don't know enough of Dory Funk, but Randy Orton as a heel, which is what I primarily know him for, there's nothing uh, that reminds me of Dory Funk. Maybe he has a baby face, I just don't know enough about Dory Funk. But, I mean, they're both two Southern boys. I'm sure that Dory... Uh, trained Randy at some point because he trained everyone, but that's the reason why I want to compare him with Chris Hero. Chris Hero was trained by Dory Funk Jr. Um, like many wrestlers, uh, Dory Funk uh, more so than even his brother, because I think he's actually the one who runs the camp and Terry comes in and helps him out. You know, he's been helping get talent for probably the last three sets of, of, of wrestling ages, basically. Um, and in a modern comparison, Chris Hero has done that. Alistair Black uh, Killian Dane, Johnny Gargano, go look up, uh, who one of their, uh, you know, wrestling coaches are. All of them say, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, I was listening to Aleister Black talk about him. It's like he he said he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So his size, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a good old boy or anything like that. I don't think that necessarily means that you have to be like that. But one thing I also think that unfortunately Chris Hero, Cassie Sono, Like Dory Funk Jr., they're not going to get as much recognition as I think they should. I think Dory should get get a hell of a lot more recognition. I mean, uh, but I think old school fans know about him, but it's kind of like, you know, faded compared to his brother who's been able to have his legacy continue. Chris Hero, um, you know, had a great time over at Ring of Honor. I don't see a lot of a high ceiling for him in WWF. Uh, I think that eventually he'll become a trainer and work with them in that type of aspect. And, they're two hard-hitting dudes uh, that I would love to have seen brawl. So, to me, he makes the most sense. Um, but, yeah, that's who I think. Next up, we have the blue-tongued wonder himself, George Animal Steel. Going from being a fierce heel in the 70s and fighting with everyone from Kula Monsoon to uh, Bruno San Martino to just everyone in the WWWF, um, and then coming to WWF and being more of a sympathetic baby face, uh, being a manager for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and having his relationship with Miss Elizabeth and how much Randy Savage hated him uh, that whole entire time period. He was like this lovable monster. Um, Killian Dane, I think kind of has some of those qualities that George Animal Steel has. Um, obviously I think Killian Dane's a better in-ring worker because there's workers just do much more nowadays, but I think there's a good thing to say for killing data as a comparison, uh, George animal steel, especially like they have both these eyes that are kind of like out there bonkers, but like you're excited to see what crazy things they are going to do. Now, usually with Georgia was like trying to attack Brady, you know, Savage while someone was distracted or whatnot. But, you know, to me, I think that was a pretty, it's a pretty good comparison. I think that Wolfgang's another hairy motherfucker for from, from, from Britain that you can compare to uh, George Steele. They're about the same size, too, stacked about uh, evenly. Uh, Killian's, I think, a little bit bigger than George. But I would, another situation, I kind of, like, think about it in my head, like, left side you have George Animal Steele, right side you have Killian Dane. That would be one hell of a match uh, to me. Uh, Chris, what do you got for Mr. Steele?
2: hero Ishii. Um, not because of the hairiness or the weirdness. I'm thinking more of just actual wrestling. Uh, that became a little bit of his gimmick later on, but I think just straight wrestling and straight physical presence, I think they're very similar. Um, Ishii is an older gentleman, but I, I think they just those two just match up to me in my mind, the way they look. Uh, obviously, one doesn't have back hair and the other one does, but the, their physical presence in the ring and the way they go about attacking—it's—it's it's very similar to me personally. Um, I would say Ishii is a better wrestler, by and large, but—but but that's kind of a weird thing to get into because the time beards are so different. So,
1: I—I I think that's a pretty comparison. Uh, it's funny, you keep on naming like names that I'm going to be naming like in a, a couple rows down, but. Uh... We're getting there. We, we, we know the wrestlers to compare. That's the whole point, right, Chris? Um, but yeah, That's I can right. definitely see Ishii kind of stacked next to him. Uh, these two monsters. You got the human orangutan versus the steel pit bull, or whatever the hell they call Ishii. I don't even think they call George Animal Steel the, the human orangutan, but he looked like one. Uh, Bruno San Martino actually fought an orangutan for 10 minutes, and they didn't pay him. Those bastards at the it's carnival. Fun. Anyways... Bruiser Brody. I think that a lot of people would want to say Mick Foley. And like I said, I think that there's definitely things from Bruiser Brody that I could see with that, that went into Mick just like you were saying with Terry Funk, different aspects, the crazed eyes. Uh, But there's been a wrestler that's been around that I like a hell of a lot that I wish was doing a hell of a lot more with the company uh, that, you know, Everyone makes a comparison. And I, I don't think it's a bad comparison at all, but it's Luke Harper. Uh, Luke Harper also has a lot of qualities to Cactus Jack that I liked. When Mick was actually, uh, you know, commissioner, or whatever the hell role they were given in, he was – the three people he was trying to push the most were creative was Luke Harper, Sami Zayn, and Dean Ambrose. Weird. All those guys kind of – you can see comparisons with Mick. But uh, Luke Harper specifically not only looks like Bruiser Brody – I would love to see that guy. Uh, You know, I I heard that he was a lot more violent in Ring of Honor and some of the CZW stuff that he did. So I want to go back and watch more of that, but I love him as a main ring performer, and I think he has a lot of qualities uh, that I've seen from Brody from all the matches that I used to get from the tapes back in the day. Uh, Chris, do you got someone different?
2: Yes, I do, but I'm trying to remember his name. (laughs) Give me a second. Damn it, I can't remember his name. Sucks. Well, uh, well Give me some, give Necro, me, give ne- me some clues. Ne- Necro, Necro Butcher.
1: Butcher, yep.
2: I think Necro Butcher could have been very similar. They both have very brawling styles. They're both really good in the actual ring. Obviously, he's not as big as Bruiser, but they had very similar looks. I think Necro is a very slept-on actual wrestler when he gets to the ring. Uh, Jim Cornette has said as much. Um, Necro was doing brawling the same way Necro or Necro was doing brawling the same way that you have like Bruiser doing brawling. The only difference is it was escalated because of ECW. So you have, you just have years between those two and I do realize Necro is retired now, but I think his biggest run was late nineties, early two thousands or to mid two thousands. Um, and I think they're a good comparison, not only looks, but the way that they uh, were so hardcore. Because Bruiser's considered one of the fathers of hardcore in a lot of ways. So, to me, that's the comparison I made in my head. It may not be right. Um, but the other one would have been, you know, Luke Harper. Uh, as far as just overall look and size and what they could do with it. Um, and they have it. But Bruiser's hard to compare to anyone because – To watch a Bruiser Brody match, you're going to have to look at, like, Puerto Rico matches or Japan matches. You know, you have to kind of watch a best of Bruiser Brody, and you're going to get a lot of weird in between.
1: (laughs) Yep. Uh, Trust me, I was the one who actually bought those. And then the next guy on our list uh, is someone that always somehow goes with Bruiser Brody the way that wine and cheese go together. Uh, Abdul the Butcher. And funny enough, Chris, guess who I picked for Abdul the Butcher?
2: Who'd you pick?
0: Decker Bro- Butcher,
1: actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't think about it. But, yeah, look-wise, he looks like Bridget Brody. But I've heard him in, in uh, different documentaries uh, saying that his approach, he based uh, modeled most of it off of Abdullah. That was his favorite uh, wrestler. I mean, the Butcher for his last part. Obviously, they don't look like each other. So I would say Necro Butcher for the actual madness of you know being at that type of performance level that Abdullah was, which many people can't be. Um, you know I know that he has a protege that he taught and is big, I think, in one of the factions or one of the wrestling uh, things over in Japan. But to me, me and you, kind of like we're we're trying to get away from if you, if you if you're a son or you know uh, if you're a son of someone or family member try to get you out of here. And if you're someone that was like completely taught underneath the person, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um like I didn't want someone like Abdullah li- literally taught this guy to be and he's something the butcher. And he looks just like him. I wasn't gonna pick him. I don't know enough about him. I did think that Montanza Quiarto though, uh awesome character, uh who you I will be listing later on this list as well. Same size as Abdullah the butcher. Played by Jeff Cobb, one of the best wrestlers right now in in wrestling, uh, a huge indie wrestler, on Lucha Underground. Uh, he has, like I said, like a, a cane type of concept, but it's also like a the the butcher a little bit, like, because of his size. He's actually not such a huge dude. I think he's like 5'10", maybe 5'9", uh, Jeff Cobb is. But it's his intimidation and his presence and his, his scariness and his brutality, and he always is bleeding on all the matches that he's in uh, against Bill Mertes and a lot of... If you guys don't want to check that Lucha Underground, it's great. It's it's basically taking uh, you know Hispanic mythology kind of like Mortal Kombat to Japanese mythology, but it's got luchadors instead of ninjas. It's fucking awesome. But anyways, uh, yeah, Matanza definitely has qualities that Abdullah has. Uh, qualities that a lot of those scary guys, uh, the Great Kabuki, for instance, um, kind of inherit. But uh, to me, those are two comparisons. It's funny that you said necro-butcher. And I kind of like him now more for Bruce and Brody than Luke Harper. So, it's where that it works out. Uh, Ivan Koloff. Uh, you said one of the, na- the names, actually, that I have for him. With Tommy uh, Ishii. I would love to see the Russian Bear versus Ishii. Uh, these two guys. You know, there's dominant. They're not so tall. It's just their presence is intimidating. Um, you know... Uh, they can go in the ring with pretty much everyone, but put on a great match. Uh, and later on, they're both known for being a part of, you know, a faction. You know, uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, Ivan Koloff, you know, was with Nikita, and and uh, I think it was Crusher Khrusev, or whatever, the guy who's Smash and, and Demolition. Doesn't matter. But it was a Russian thing compared to Chaos. But still, you get what I'm saying. There's similarities, and I want to see them fight. Uh, the other person is Carl Anderson, um, kind of similar in concept too. Carl Anderson uh, was huge in Japan. Um, they used him, big heel, not working so much right now, and later on in his career, now he's more known for being a part of the tag team. Love to see Nikita and Ivan go against, uh, you know, Anderson and Gallows. That would have been a fun, booked match. Who do you want for the Russian bear, Ivan Kolov? The one that crushed Bruno Samartino. Chris?
2: Yeah, sorry. The Russian the Russian bear, that one's a little hard for me. Um, I ended up picking Rusev only because I was trying to think of Russian gimmicks, not necessarily anything else uh, because it was a one-for-one. One. I mean, uh, Rusev makes a lot of sense,
1: though.
2: I mean, similar gimmicks. Not necessarily their in-ring work at all. Um, and for...
1: Oh, I forgot to ask
2: you I, about Abdullah. For Abdullah, I just had the Rotten Brothers from ECW. Um, oh, my God. You continue, Axel who continue wrestling. I, I mean, Axel Rotten and Ian both, they're they're both very, very similar. Um, Axel specifically, I compare mostly. I do realize that that's, you're talking late 90s versus early 2000s, but I, I can't make a better comparison than that. They, he did wrestle... You know, he, he wrestled up until 2014, so there's a lot of stuff there, and to me, the Taipei Deathmatch is just something very, very, very... Abdullah the Butcher. And I do realize Abdul is probably a better wrestler, um... But the amount of heart how hardcore they got, the fact that they would pull, like, forks out and stuff, they they just remind me of each other. And that's no slight on Abdullah. It's just Abdullah's hard to compare anyone to because of his physical prowess and how big he was. Um, and I know that there's been, like, matches with Abdullah the Butcher where he went, like, 60 minutes with, like, Manny Fernandez and stuff. So it's, it's not about him being unathletic or not being able to do the job. It's more when I think of Abdullah the Butcher, I just think of straight, hardcore, brutal matches. When you look at all the scars on his head, um, and the first people I think of are the Rotten Brothers and and them fighting in a type A death match. So that was the first comparison that came to mind for me. Uh, but like I said, you're talking, this is late, late 90s, so it it depends on how you want this to fall over the line. But that that was my comparison. I didn't have a better comparison for that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of those hardcore guys, because, alright, you can go for, Abdul has two different qualities, and that's what I kind of broke it up with, with my two things. Necro Butcher represents the brutality, and uh, Montanza Chiarto more so the look, because you could say you maga for someone like intimidating and scary like that, but obviously, it wasn't brutal. You know, I mean, would you use New Jack, uh, Sabu? I mean, both those guys, it's kind of going against what I came up with originally, but like I'm saying, it doesn't really matter. Maybe a guy like Supreme, who's about the same size and lit his ass on fucking fire and it is a hardcore legend. But I don't know enough about like CCW and their scene outside of a couple guys like Dean Ambrose I made outside of it uh, to be able to say, Oh, this is the hardcore guy of this generation That's the Abdul the Butcher Like Sabu was previously Or New Jack You know, he's he's definitely a harder guy To pin down
2: Well, that's, I mean, I thought about Justice Payne But with Abdullah's Sheer size And mass, he's just really hard to compare Against anyone And I've met him in person And he's just a giant dude He's even bigger now, obviously But he's just really hard. There's not been any, there's not been that many big, big guys like round wise. Like there's been tall guys who have been hardcore wrestlers, but there hasn't been anyone just the sheer like Rikishi size of Abdullah, the butcher that was also a hardcore wrestler. So he is a hard comparison in general. So you have to more go on like attitude and how willing they were to get hardcore. And I think the Rotten Brothers in general just fit into that.
1: Yeah, I could definitely agree with like, you. Like I the Taipei match. That's a hardcore wrestler in general. You know, it's is as done nowadays. But um, All right. well, we'll move on. Uh, you know, struggling along. We had a couple more left for you guys tonight. Before we sign off, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Definitely give us some feedback over on the Facebook of geek 5 Nation, or just hit us up. Um, anyway, uh, definitely, like I said, if you want to talk about this, give us a call, 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join the combo. All right, uh, let's get back to this. Of course, I'm losing my notes. <coughs> All right, we have another ridiculously hard one to talk about, Chris. That the you were, you know, just, uh, I don't know. Um, I think I, I picked a pretty good guy uh, just because I've been very exposed to him on Lucha Underground. Um, and, I mean, he's a big guy in the PWG evolved uh, indie wrestling world. Um, but we've got to pick someone for the American Dream, Dustin Rhodes. The son of a plumber. Uh, who are you going to put hard times on, Chris, for Dusty Rhodes?
2: I honestly have Bully Ray. I think he did a different gimmick in TNA. I think um, it was very much a Dusty Rhodes, Stan Hansen type of deal. It was more of a heel version of Dusty Rhodes, but very much like an up North New Yorker bully versus like, you know, the boy from Texas, the American dream, but very similar in ring styles, a lot of the same moves. Uh, the way they work was very similar. Um so that's that's like my go to for that one. And this is talking about I a mid two thousands run. I'm not sure if he's on our list after that, probably Keith Lee would be my next choice.
1: Uh Keith Lee's a good choice and I think that very similar to Keith Lee, Willie Mac, um the Mac, if you will, uh P W G and PWG, also like I said, Luke Underground. Um Great wrestler. Uh, he was trained uh, trained by TJ Perkins, of all people, um, who will not make it on this list, I don't think. If I Billy Kidman and TJ Perkins, that's a good comparison right there. But um, no, Willie Mack, I think that he has a similar story as Dusty. Uh, you know, he came from a very poor family in St. Louis. Um, you know, he didn't have much. He kept on working on the concept of the dream itself of being a wrestler and he pulled himself out of nothing and got his ass into wrestling. Uh, I think his mic skills are very similar in style. Because, I mean, if I were to – I think that there was a little bit of, of, uh, of African-American flavor in the way that Dusty Rhodes talked. And I think that when you're comparing someone like Willie Mack, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a similar type of attitude. Like, basically, Dusty had soul. Uh, not a lot of white people have that. Um and he inherited that. If you look at their bodies, too, Willie has that strange stomach that Dusty has that he hides underneath his trunks. I don't know if that's a good reason to do it, but Willie is a fucking great wrestler. That's also something that gets him on the edge for me to compare to Dusty uh, because he's got a good in-ring, he's baby as hell, people love him, um, you know, at least on more of the independent scene. Um, and he has a similar background of, of a, someone that came from nothing that bust his ass off, and that that was the American dream, right? I mean, I, I think yeah. that, honestly, Bully Ray probably is the best choice. He's directly influenced, more so. But you have a lot of people like that. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the the guy on Impact, the, the British guy that was going to go back home, um, JR called him the British Dusty Rhodes. Apparently, he's a, a big Dusty fan. Like I love seeing that flavor, but I like that I picked Willie Mack, and you picked Keith Lee, and those are two guys that don't have to do the the uh, you know the the elbow to be able to be influenced or or at least have a similar quality, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I
2: mean my next my next pick was like Bailey because she does a lot of the same moves and has that very much. I love the crowd, very over the top baby face, very much the underdog in most of the matches she fights. Um, and that would be the only female male comparison I think I have on this entire list. And I think she was heavily influenced by Dusty. She loves I mean, she still wears like Dusty oh, yeah. type stuff and I think that's that's a good comparison as well. Dusty overall, no one compares to his promo it's dress, hard to compare. No. He's he's one of the it's best so promos hard. in the entire like like besides Ric Flair, he's probably one of the greatest promos of all time. So when you start talking about Dusty it gets really, really hard. So you really have to break it down to body size, the way he works in the ring. And just overall connection with the fans, and I think Bailey is a—it's uh, a fair comparison in a lot of ways, especially NXT Bailey. Um, if you're yeah, comparing her comparisons... to WWF, WWF Dusty Rhodes specifically, and Bailey, yeah, um, there's a good comparison there. Uh, but I mean, Dusty Rhodes is just hard because it's one of my favorite of all time, and I just—I mean, without just going Dustin and WCW. Uh, where he was basically the cowboy and he was doing his dad's gimmick, essentially. It's really, really hard to compare anyone to Dusty Rhodes because I don't think anyone really gets close. I don't think anyone has the flavor that they speak. There's a lot of wrestlers that are similar and they definitely have some of the mic stuff that Dusty did, but Dusty's... He's in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time, so it's really hard <laughs> to be comparison against, you know? That one's a really well, hard one. You
1: know, and going back... Going back to your Bully Ray comparison, um, sorry, heel concept, I could see Kevin Owens as being someone that obviously he's not the baby face, but you could tell that because of his teachings that Dusty influenced him in certain ways of opening him up as a promo and a lot of stuff that that Kevin says about Dusty and training him in NXT and their their relationship of Dusty knowing that he was a big guy and he was going to have problems with people like Vince, Because of that, it's always going to be like that, but both great in-ring wrestlers. So, yeah, it's hard to pick. You need someone that's one of the best promos of today, also a big guy, but also a a super baby face, and also an excellent in-ring performer. So it's very hard to find. Um, And that's why it's like a lot of what you got to realize, um, our listeners, if you will, uh, is that our comparisons, there's no way you can stack some of these wrestlers compared to the guys in the past, because the guys in the past, you know, influenced everything going forward. So it's more of like, I keep on saying who you can see some of your favorite older wrestlers. And that's, that's all for this conversation, but we got two more and then we're going to wrap it up. Um, I definitely don't want to breeze through junkyard dog, but I mean, we're ending on Hulk Hogan. So <laughs> uh, junkyard dog, I have moose. Um, Over as hell with the audience. Chuck Gary was huge at Bill Watts' promotion in Mid-South. Um, big wrestler, uh, one of the biggest, like, you know, baby faces of his generation. Uh, known for dancing uh, in the ring. Um, finally came to WWF, became pretty damn big over there. I don't think he ever had a huge title run. I love Moose. You're going to see Moose later on with me. Um, I think he is an excellent uh, wrestler. I, I, Chris knows I'm really high on him. Um, but I think he's a lot of fun, and for his size, I think that he does some pretty badass stuff. So I would love to see these two guys square off in the ring. Moose coming down, doing his little dance, Junkyard Dog, you know, doing the Cat's Jack dance in the middle of the ring and shit uh, that they both do. But, uh, yeah, that that was my comparison for him. What do you got, Chris?
2: I I also had Moose for the very same reasons you did. Um, I think they're both very similar in the ring and what they're able to accomplish, but I both think they have a presence that's kind of surprising in a lot of it. ways with Moose, um, and outlandish a little bit. Moose is very different. Um, in a lot of ways you can compare, you know, Moose to, uh, God, what is Moose's name from, uh, he's hanging out with Dana Brooks right now.
1: Um... Tyler. Oh. God.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paulo Cruz, Titus O'Neil? Titus O'Neil, there you go. You can compare Moose to uh, Titus O'Neil as well. Um, but to me, in impact in general, I think Moose has gotten over the same way John P.R. Dog got over. Whether it's right or wrong, I think he's you know kind of doing that a very similar gimmick. And they both kind of go hand-in-hand hand together. And they're both great wrestlers. And I think Moose could be a big star if... if if the stars align just right and they give him a shot, I think he could be a big deal, um, more so than he is on impact, because I honestly don't think anyone on impact is under a huge deal. I, I feel like you have to go somewhere else at this point.
1: I do agree, um, and hopefully we'll see that eventually. All right, the last one, the immortal Hulk Hogan, Chris. Um, I have two. Uh, for the two different time periods of Hulk Hogan. Um, For my super, you know, baby face, God bless America, I love everything, uh, at the beginning of their damn career when they are both becoming huge, Hulk Hogan, John Cena. I don't think... I think that's such an appropriate comparison. It's ridiculous, honestly. Um, I don't think they ever worked with each other in the ring, but I would have loved to have seen that. Um, uh, But, yeah, I just... Obviously, I think John Cena is a better in performer than Hulk Hogan. I still love Hulk Hogan for what you know for for his, the wrestler that he was, but John Cena is also criticized for having like five moves, just like Hulk Hogan was. They both took the company and helped it out immensely. My other comparison is someone that Hulk likes to compare to him, and if you're going for more, you know, less the brother but more of an intimidating force. Maybe like between Hollywood Hogan to what he became later in WWE. Braun Strowman, you know, has qualities that I always said it's he's he's if they treat him right, he's Stone Cold meets Hulk Hogan in one wrestler. So size wise, I definitely want to mention him, but I think John Cena is the obvious answer.
2: Chris, I I also have two for different periods of Hulk Hogan. I have John Cena for, of course, Red-Blooded American Hulk Hogan because it's impossible not to pick John Cena for that comparison because that's what they were going for. Um, For heel Hulk Hogan, I have heel rock. I think they were very similar in a lot of ways. When the fans started getting behind the rock and they turned him heel and he won the title... um, not a similar move set, but very limited move set. The Rock's not a massive athlete and a natural talent, but so is Hogan in a lot of ways. And I think people forget how good Hulk Hogan was in the ring. And then you culminate into Hogan versus Rock, you know, at WrestleMania. And to me, those two just kind of fall hand in hand together uh, with the fact that they were able to do movies after the fact. and, and People forget that like Hogan was in like three hit movies. Like not as big as The Rock, but he's been in some big big name stuff. Like he was kind of a movie star as well as a wrestling star and TV star, and to me those two just compare together so well. Um I think Hogan liked loved the business a little more than The Rock did. Um maybe just for money or whatever it was, but the the overall comparison between the two is kind of staggering when you look at their heel runs, specifically when, Ro- when Rock came back to face Hogan and kind of took on the Hollywood Hogan role. Because you have, like, the people's champion, the self-proclaimed people's champion versus the actual Hulkamaniacs people's champion. And to me, those two will always just go hand in hand, Rock and Hogan. Uh, but for face run, um, I have to carry this through a period that's going to be down i got to be the face of the company. I'm going to work day in, day out. John Cena is definitely the guy. But those were my two that I came up with.
1: And brilliant choices, definitely. I could definitely... I mean, that comparison's been going on for years, and it led up, like you said, to that WrestleMania, that amazing WrestleMania moment of The Rock going off to Hollywood soon with Hollywood Hogan coming back to wrestling, like or WWE at least, and that's stare down. I mean, that's not the stuff that's like we were talking about earlier with uh, WWE matches. Like, I still watched recently Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. I love that match, even though it's not the greatest wrestling match. But th- the build up to it, uh, that Rocks uh, Hulk Hogan match is not the greatest wrestling match. But for what it represents and the build up towards it and the concept itself, and the fact that the fans turned on Friggin' The Rock. For Hulk Hogan, when he had been a villain in WCW for most of the duration of that whole entire time period, might have felt what, the last two years? Crazy. But, um, yeah, there is the first 15 of our list. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, if you'd like to join the conversation, I'm going to post up the list itself uh, so you guys can, you know, make your own. And we'd love for you to call in and talk to us about, like, How you liked one of our choices, if you didn't like one of our choices, if you think that I should stop doing this whole entire broadcasting thing, um, if Chris needs to go take a (laughs) nap, whatever the fuck you guys want to tell us, uh, just go with it. Let us know. Um, But, Chris, uh, how did you like the list so far? We're only 15 in. We got quite a few. Uh, I think we're going to go 20 next time.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to dig deep. It's getting hard. Um, I will say, real quick, worst match of the year, Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship Punjabi prison match. That was the worst. No one can tell me anything otherwise.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I pretty much agree with you.
2: But, well,
1: we have had a wonderful show, a wonderful comeback show, Season 2, Episode 1, Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you, Christopher, for, for, of course, you know, coming in with your knowledge and your input. And thank you guys out there for listening. Remember, we have another episode. Uh, I think we have an episode of Full Court Press. That was yesterday. Definitely check that out. And then we have, uh, whatchamacallit, Geek Fives Live, Sunday night, the premiere episode of this year. Guys, definitely need to check that out. Thank you so much. Go to our Facebook. Go to our Twitter and check stuff out. Have a good one. Let the Geek Fives be with you.